1: Hello there, and welcome back to a very special episode of Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast. As you have no doubt read in the title, uh, this is a roundtable conversation with uh, Jennifer Corbett, uh, the, the, the head writer, uh, lead writer uh, for, for the Bad Batch, as well as uh, Brad Rao, supervising director, and uh, of course, Ming Na Wen, Fennec Shand herself among many other things throughout uh cinema and television history uh very very cool opportunity that uh, that I was uh, fortunate enough to participate in thanks to uh Lucasfilm and Disney um and uh, uh yeah it, awesome uh myself along with a whole host of other uh uh podcasters and uh writers from other uh, Star Wars fan sites. We got Richard and Sarah Woloski from uh, Skywalking Through Neverland. Of course, Jonah Marie Macias, you guys will recognize her voice from Dork Side of the Force. Teresa Delgado from Fangirls Going Rogue. Mark Newbold from Fanta Tracks. Brian Young from Full of Sith. James Baney from Star Wars Newsnet. George Bate from Star Wars Holocron. James Burns from Jedi News. William Devereaux from Ion Cannon Podcast. Dan Z from Coffee with Kenobi. Uh, and David Ye from Endor Express. So I, I, I mean, first of all, to be included along with all of those incredible people uh, from from around the Star Wars fan community is uh, is is a real honor all by itself. Um, but uh, but to get to talk to uh, to these individuals was very special. Now I. I got to ask a question for, for uh, Jennifer Corbett and Brad Rao. I didn't get to ask my question. We ran out of time with ming I was the last one uh, in line for, for that one um, and, and, uh, and, and didn't get my question in. But, uh, but I'm going to play the whole thing for you uh, here. Uh, and and obviously go go give uh, uh, credit to uh, to all of these these great people who ask such um, awesome insightful questions. Uh, I, and uh, I, uh, and of course huge huge thanks to Jennifer Corbett Brad Rao and Ming Na Wen for their for their fantastic answers. Um, I think that uh, you guys will will really enjoy it. You'll learn a lot. Um, a heads up: some of the questions do. One of them in particular has spoilers for the most recent episode of The Bad Batch. So if you have not watched this week's episode yet, go do that first and then come back and and listen to this because because there will be spoilers. Um, Pretty big spoilers, actually. So uh, so make sure you do that first and then come back and listen. Uh, Go enjoy that episode. It's a fantastic one. Um, and, uh, and without further ado, here it is, we'll, we'll start off with Jennifer Corbett and Brad Rao, uh, and then we'll roll right into, uh, the, the round table with Ming Na Wen. Uh, thanks for listening. We will catch you guys next week for our regular episode. Uh, but for now, here is the round table.
2: Okay. So we can get started with Richard and Sarah go ahead with your question. Oh sorry, yeah, hey, on mute.
0: Yeah, there we go. <laughs> hey, Hi. hey, everyone. Hello. Hey. So I gotta start by, by saying Bad Batch rocks. Love yeah. every second of it. Uh, on the edge of our seats every single Friday. And but there's there's one question that's that's been plaguing me since the very start of this whole arc right now. We see Bolo, or as we know him from the vintage fans, we know him as Hammerhead. and i love all of the nods to all of the classic generation fans like myself and at the end of the at the end of the episode we see him as credited as bolo so i'm i've just got to know why didn't you credit him as as hammerhead
3: (laughs) that's a great question um and we love bolo voiced by the great liam o'brien and when he got to see the design for his character he said (gasps) hammerhead in the kenner style and we're like yes liam that's correct that's what we're going for so yeah that's intentional um but actually the original hammerhead i believe his name was moma Nadon. it's not actually hammerhead, so it's more of a everybody's got their own name his name's Bolo.
4: is there a significance to bolo
5: Corbett? i mean it's more about
4: the, it's more about the uh dysfunctional friendship between bolo and catch um that you know, really spawned uh, that name, but they're, they're always getting into trouble. And uh, yeah, they're, they're fun. They're fun characters to have in, in SIDS. All right, all
6: right. Thank you. Well, thank yeah.
4: you
0: for including Hammerhead. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Got it. Next up, we'll go to Jonna Marie with your
5: question. Hi, so I'm a huge fan and I just wanted to ask, you know, Crosshair's exposure to the Ion blast makes me curious to see where his story will go next. Um, and while developing the series, was there a discussion about him following the Empire by choice rather than being forced? Or if another bad batcher had been considered for the part?
4: It's a really good question. Um, you know, early on in the development process, we knew that Crosshair was gonna be the one who would sort of be the, the foil to this group and and be our main antagonist, but you know, you bring up a good, a good point because one of the things we always try to talk about with, with this series and when the Bad Batch are dealing with the regs is, is that question of, of choice because with the chips uh, they, they didn't, they didn't really have a say. They're conditioned to follow orders and with order 66, we see them execute that without hesitation. So what the regs are going through uh, and, and what Crosshair is going through is, is something we continue to explore uh, throughout the season. So we don't want to give too much away, but um, it is it, it. You know, the discussion of choice is a big is a big topic.
2: Great, and next up, Teresa Delgado.
5: You guys. Well, first, I just want to say the Bad Batch is more than I thought it was going to be. So that is a good, good, good thing. <laughs> um, and I can't help but notice that there are similarities and story points between the Mandalorian and the Bad Batch. A reluctant father figure taking on a younger individual that's wanted for their genetic material. Uh, were these similarities a coincidence or was it something that you guys did intentionally?
3: You know the really for us there there are some some similarities for sure that, that roll over the idea of a found family, especially um, with grizzled warriors um, sort of having parenthood forced upon them and then learning how to, Uh, deal with that for good and for bad is just um, this is a classic storyline that when we were looking at the Bad Batch it made sense to go that way really quickly Um, not not intentional as a symmetrical uh, nod to the Mandalorian necessarily more so just to create interesting point of view that could get the audience into uh, the series where you might not always identify as a super soldier or as a clone but as a family as a big brother as a little sister whatever it might be um, it seemed like a natural way to get into the show.
4: And I think, you know, it, to ground it in, in real life, when, when you see different families on the surface, they all may seem similar or, you know, have similarities. But really, when you get into their dynamic and what they're going through, that's where you see the different shades. So I think that's kind of true with Star Wars as well.
5: Awesome. Thanks, you guys. Thank
4: you.
2: Next up, we have Mark with Phanthatracks.
5: Hi hey
7: everyone. Um, as much as the focus is on the characters of Wars* 99 in the show, there seems to be an equal focus on the era and the world building in that post-order 66 time. Um, was that always a key element to show us the galaxy, the state of the galaxy, as much as the characters within it?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and it's something that we are really excited about in this era that hasn't been really explored in the Star Wars timeline. Um, is there's so many things going on. There's so much change. There's like a kind of wild west sensibility and yet the rise of the empire. How does that look? Are things that get us really excited for, for the, the stories that these characters go into, 100%.
4: Especially because like that that's that, the, the change in the environment <laughs> is what starts the show and starts the change in, in the galaxy. So um, it's been fun to get to explore that from the Batch's perspective compared to, you know um, the Reg's and Crosshair's perspective with the empire.
2: Okay, and next up, we will go with Brian Young.
8: Hey, um, I'm really curious, like as writers, working with the story group, because the show seems to have a lot of overlap with elements they've already teased for like Book of Boba Fett, like almost like in a lot of ways, it feels like with how Star Wars has gotten close now that that you could be conceivably setting up pins that they're going to knock down. What's that like working with, um, just that broader universe, how much do they, how much does the, the story group keep you honest on stuff like that as you sprawl into different elements of the universe as writers?
4: Very, <laughs> they keep us very honest, um, because, you know, as Brad said, with this timeline, uh, and, and we have a bit of, um, wiggle room, uh, before we start getting into, you know, Rebels and, and even Solo and A New Hope, um, there's a opportunity for us to explore lots of things, but, um, anytime we have a, a, a story discussion or an episodic discussion the story team weighs in on things that could potentially be an issue or things that could potentially be a tie-in and if it makes sense creatively that's something we discuss and talk about but um, you know we're never really confined by by things it's just if we like to shoot for the stars and if it gets into a, a certain area we have to be careful about then we just you know we have a longer discussion on what we're trying to accomplish and. If it can fit
3: with anything else, <clears throat> and there's also, you know, kind of going off of that, in this uh, in this era, there are a lot of different characters sort of bumping around. So anytime we can, maybe see one or two of them in our show, we we're just super excited about that. Mm-hmm. Thank okay. you.
2: Next up, we have James with Star Wars Newsnet.
9: Hey, thanks for taking my question, uh, Brad and Jennifer. Um, I wanted to know, um, you know, we've all been curious about whatever it is that makes Omega special, right? Um, Curious now that this reveal has happened in the most recent episode that she is more of a daughter than a clone. Um, I'd like to know more about your thoughts on changing the dynamic of the franchise as a whole now by giving Boba Fett a sister uh, and how you think that will play out in years to come.
3: Loaded question, James. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's all very, very exciting. Um, there's definitely mystery that we won't go into too much today, but we, we've just had a lot of fun um, playing the mystery up, to be honest, just, just to see that there is there's something to, to this kid. Um, and you see uh, something that makes me excited is when we can show this kid, whoever it is, wherever she's from, whatever her deal is, when you see her training alongside these other guys um, and failing, honestly, sometimes, uh, and then seeing her overcome that, I, to me, that's the most exciting part of her character more than anything else. But there are other parts of her story to tell that we will be exciting, excited for you guys to see in the future.
5: And uh, sure.
4: I, you know, to add on that, it's, there's a lot about, you know, different people's agendas and, and, you know, what the empire's interested in versus what the Kaminoans are interested in, and, and even along that, now versus Lama Sioux. Um, but when it comes to the Bad Batch, their, their take on Omega, you know, pretty much the, they don't, they don't care what she, what she is or what she isn't, which is what that sort of family dynamic is. Um, while others may be interested in her for a different reason they're just more about you know this is she's one of us uh, we're we're a team unit and uh, we're going to train her as best we can and uh, this is this is our squad now
9: awesome yeah thank you
2: and next up we have George bait with Star Wars holocron
0: all right thank you so much for speaking with us today I really appreciate that um, one of the things I've really liked about the show so far is that it's it's really an ensemble piece not just within you know the Bad Batch itself but this kind of great array of side characters I'm curious out of all of these kind of people we've been introduced to who's been your kind of favorite to to approach uh so far
3: <clears throat> I mean I'll I'll dive in there um I I love Sid Sid is so good <laughs> she because she gives everybody equal amount of guff and it's just delightful and Rhea Perlman is such an outstanding actress it's it's been fun um seeing how her voice when we first started recording her affected some of the future scripts some of the you know some of the way that Sid would talk um and then when uh, our animation and lighting department started bringing Sid to life it's just this awesome character it's a, it's exactly the kind of character that I love as a Star Wars fan um so yeah she, she's a blast
4: I I personally loved uh Cad Bane just being a massive Clone Wars fan, and you know him being so terrifying <laughs> to, to watch on screen and and intimidating. Um, having the chance to just see how he interacts with the batch compared to um, a different bounty hunter, and uh, you know what's changed for him in, in his life since we last saw him. Uh, and so he was he was fun to uh, to bring back.
0: Thanks so much.
2: And on a similar theme, next up we have James. Bur- James is question.
7: Hi there. Thank you very much for everything you're doing with the show. The show is fantastic. Um, you've both worked on Star Wars Resistance, and I know that a lot of the characters there are very, very much younger and wouldn't necessarily have been around at this sort of time. But if some some of the older characters, which which ones would you like to see within the Bad Batch time frame? Or would you most like to bring in?
3: Ooh, that might be too loaded of a question, actually. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, yeah, Resistance was—I'll just say—Resistance was an awesome show with this amazing cast of characters. And in the—and in the, you know, our uh, our crew working on the show primarily is the same same crew, both um, here at Lucasfilm and overseas as well. And it's it's interesting how that show, in the production of that show, has affected what what we do as we continue to. Um, push forward in the animation process. As far as specific characters, I mean, I'm not gonna go into too many details. There is definitely a a long amount of time from where we are to where Resistance was, Um, but it's an interesting question.
2: (laughs) Okay, next up we have William Devereaux.
9: Hey, ready. Yeah, William Devereaux from Ion Cannon Podcast. Uh, Now, I know you can't share any more details about what's gonna come later in the season, but in two words, how would you tease what we might see in the second half
0: of this season two
3: words
4: hold on <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's it. there you go uh, uh, that, that's so funny because I was going to say buckle up yeah.
4: <laughs> you're really limiting us with the two words yeah two was- <laughs> five words too
9: but I figure you know don't want to give away too much right?
3: no we're we're having we're having so much fun and it's been great to see um you know the fan reactions everybody's all your reaction to how this show is coming out um i'll say if you like where we've gone i think you're going to really like where we're going
4: how many words was that
3: (laughs) that was like 52
9: words (laughs) thanks
2: next up we'll go with dan z with coffee with kenobi
3: everybody uh first time caller long time listener (laughs) <laughs> uh, so I'm curious. You mentioned Cadman earlier. I, I would love to know if you can talk about the evolution of bringing him into the show.
4: Yeah, uh, we in in talking about the first half of the season, and obviously uh, the the Owens put this this bounty to to have uh, Omega return to them, and we knew we wanted to have the batch interact with with Fenix Shan just to see how they how they end up you know, because they're still not fully street smart yet. They're still very much soldiers. They don't really know how the galaxy works in different ways. And um, while Fennec is new to the scene, she's still very um, dangerous. And to sort of compare that interaction with then later on when the Kaminoans hire an even bigger gun and just a completely different experience for the Batch where Hunter was able to get away that first time, but this time no one is going to outdraw Cad Bane. So it's kind of like just a continuation of who who this squad's interacting with, and and how each each interaction, each experience, they're learning something new about other threats that are out there in, in the world, and how that affects them moving forward.
3: Yeah, and I mean, I'll say Corey Burton, he's such an amazing, fantastic, decorated actor. We have such a blast working with him. Um, and uh, I mean, and that I mean, kind of full stop on that. But also for the design of Cad Bane, we we were looking at um, some designs that had never fully gone into production that were in progress in Clone Wars, both for his look and also for his ship that you see in 109. And it was a lot of fun to go back to those and sort of take them out of the garage and tinker with it and push it and rework it a little bit so that Cad Bane and his ride felt familiar and yet a little bit more nuanced, a little more detailed. But yeah, Corey, his performance just. It just informs all of the animation and a lot of the blocking he's he's phenomenal he's so great
2: okay next we'll go with michael cohen
1: hi i oh man the 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 show has been so great on on every conceivable level i but the writing to me has just has been so amazing um and with, with so many new writers to star wars uh like what's been your key to a successful writers room sort of keeping everybody uh, sort of on the same page and in the same tone because it's just been so consistently good.
4: It's definitely all about collaboration and you know it's great to bring in so many excited writers who love Star Wars and who are just want to play in that sandbox and the enthusiasm they bring and then from story breaking on through the whole script stage and then production you know, we work closely with each freelancer, and then with with Brad and his team, just to each step along the way, fine-tuning, um, adding, you know, giving it giving it that extra Star Wars zhuzh, uh, to really kind of make the episodes pop. And um, yeah, if I could say anything, it's collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. And um, I owe a lot of that to to Brad and uh, and uh, the production side because you know, we give them stuff written on a page, but then seeing how they execute it, it's like they take it, they take it from like, you know, here to here. And each time I'm, I'm amazed uh, with every script.
3: I'm going to swing that right back to you, Corbett, that you are the best. I mean, really this collaboration that we have is, um, is unlike any other show I've ever worked on, because truly when these amazing scripts and they are amazing, and, and they've gone through so many, so many stages, there's so much love and, Blood, sweat, and tears on each page—you could just feel it. But once we launch into our um, our story phase and into animation and lighting and all the way to the end, um, we're you know we're constantly talking, we're constantly reworking things and making sure they they line up. And so it's it's that that part of the collaboration is really great. And not every show is like that. I think it it it's one of the special things about Lucasfilm Animation.
2: Okay, next up we have David with Endor Express.
0: Hey guys, Brad, I love your Haunted Mansion love back there. Um, the show is, what I loved about the, the very beginnings of the show is that you guys dived into the section of the Empire of the Galaxy that was just forming up again. What does it mean? You know, some people are very confused. Can you talk more about the, the writing of all of that in, and infusing into the storyline of the Bad Batch? Because we haven't seen this part of the Star Wars Galaxy before and it's really fascinating to me.
4: It's, it's fun to see it through their eyes, because uh, like we've said before, it's the the batch is a military unit and and they're not used to having to think about anything political or, or, or anything beyond that they're, they're used to getting missions they go on their missions they execute them and then they get new orders, but now that everything has shifted. You know they've now started to have to ask questions about you know about the empire and 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 they're unsure about where they fit in and where they're going. Um, and as a writer, it's fun to sort of explore that, that turmoil in, in the galaxy, because there is so much that Bash doesn't know as we, as a viewer, having seen what, what's about to happen. So there's that impending sense of like, Oh, they don't really know what they're in for. Um, but it's still about just like the daily struggles of once one government falls and a new regime rises, just sort of, how some some planets are happy about it because that means there's peace, but they don't realize what kind of peace that, that is. And it's definitely this storyline and, and that idea is something that will continue to evolve uh, with the series.
3: Yeah, and, and it's also been interesting just from a design standpoint to take things that are very much Republic, like the regs and their armor and their equipment and make it all devoid of the interesting individual color, and now they're the face of the bad guy. And we did a lot of, we did a lot of work to change the way that the um, the the Futz works out of their helmet, so they sound almost a little bit less like good guys. It's still D. Bradley Baker performing a thousand characters. He's so amazing. He's so great. Um, not only as all the bad guys, but all of the regs and anybody you see who's a clone. Um, he's incredible. Um, but if you look really closely, without going too much into detail about it, um, referencing. Our second episode on Salukimai, when the Bad Batch make their their escape um, out of the old Western town, there's a lot of shooting going on, but we were very careful that when Hunter is shooting a clone, he shoots a clone in the arm, knocks a blaster out of his hand, shoots him in the leg, knocks him down, maybe punches him out, but none of those guys perished, and that was all very, very intentional, um, and that's all part of how, you know, just a small. A small look at how our main characters are dealing with this changing empire and seeing their brothers now as the face of the bad guy not just crosshair but all of the rags and so it's all just interesting juicy meaty stuff to to get into and we don't always speak to it but we try to pack it into every shot into every frame
6: because
4: it is like the most heartbreaking part as you know if you were fans of the clone wars and just the prequels and you got to know these clones and their relationships with the jedi and how they were you know a team and then all of a sudden now they're part of they're part of the entity of the bad guy and just how striking that is even in even in the the pilot episode when they're you know their armor is just bleached white and they're just kind of this um this evil side of things and it's yeah as as a fan it's heartbreaking but um yeah part of the
5: show Uh, Given the fact that Fennec is just starting out as a bounty hunter in the Bad Batch, what details did the creators share with you or what background story did you create about Fennec's origins that helped you inform your performance? Like what motivated her to pursue this kind of life? Um,
6: Well, it's kind of difficult for me to talk about that because the stuff that Dave Filoni and I and the writers of The Bad Batch discussed about what young Fennec Shand would be like and why she became a bounty hunter. I mean, we collaborated and we threw out a lot of idea, you know, threw a lot of ideas out at each other. Um, so I'm, I don't know what will stick and what won't. So I'm worried that if I reveal something from that conversation that hasn't been explored yet or brought to life in the animation or in future episodes either you know down the line in other venues um so i i can't discuss that i really i wish i could
5: yeah no worries thank you so much Mm -hmm. so who's next
3: And, and next up we have richard and sarah
5: Hello.
4: Oh, my gosh. We're so excited to be here and talking to you. Uh, like, amazing. And I just, I'm so excited because your character was the one I was most excited for in The Mandalorian and the show because, yes, because, well, for one thing, foxes are my favorite
2: animal ever. Oh,
4: so,
6: that's, that's yeah. great. Yeah, so me when, too now. Yeah. Oh,
4: oh, good. Well, yeah. when I heard you were basing your character off that sneaky fox kind of aspect, you know, I, you know, is there anything that you're doing voice acting wise to kind of continue that foxy attitude in the Bad Batch?
6: Well, you know, I'm just foxy in general. <laughs> um, no, it's interesting because, you know, I watched a lot of videos of um, foxes, especially fennec foxes and um you know, there there's a slinkiness to their walk, and they're loners, and they listen. You know, they're. I mean, the fennec fox has huge ears, so they're very, very alert and aware. And um, and another thing that I attribute that that like Fennec can read people, or she thought she could read people really well, except for that one time with Toro, but um, <laughs> but you know, he has no scruples. That's why. That's uh, that's a whole other thing, um, but. My, for the voice, I wanted to kind of give a little bit of that quality of her. So there's like a sort of an, a more elongated, slinky rhythm that, you know, came from the fox. And so when she talks, it's, there's, there's a little bit of an exaggeration and, and a stretching of words here and there. And, and whenever she does speak, it's, you know, there's a, there's a pointed reason for it amazing thank you yeah i kind of got into it right there <laughs> 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 because my natural voice is much higher so
0: thank you okay. david with uh indoor express i Minga. Hi. Um, I- good to see you so my question is that you are part of the mandalorian the bad batch the book of boba fett um you were only in the first season of The Mandalorian briefly, how did you, did you know that you were a bigger part of this universe, this galaxy, or, and can you talk about when that was all opened up to you or did you know all along?
6: No, as a matter of fact, um, I had no idea, you know, but boy, am I happy that it happened the way it's happened. Um, when when um, John Favreau and Dave Filoni, um, you know, offered me this role, I was really, really excited because my entire life has been trying to manifest this moment where I got to participate and be part of a Star Wars project. But then when I read the script and she dies at the end, I was just like, oh, (laughs) that's kind of sad. Um, So I wasn't sure, but then you you just realize, hey, this might be the only opportunity for me to participate. So I got to check this off my bucket list. And, um, and, you know, of course, talking to John and Dave, I mean, it's like, you know, three people talking the same language, because we all love Star Wars so much and are really knowledgeable about it. So um, I took the job, Dave directed, um, and uh, we got to know each other better and discovered that we both grew up in the same town and went to the same high school. So... I mean, I might have used that as a little bit of edge to try to guilt him into keeping Fennec alive, but um, I'm really hoping that it's between them loving the character and what I brought to it, as well as the fans' reaction to the character when the episode aired that, you know, that all this other stuff transpired. So, but I'm so grateful. So, so happy.
0: We are too. Thank you very much.
6: Thank you.
3: Next up, we have George Bate.
0: Hi, thank you so much for talking to us today. Um, One question I had was, uh, Fennec has become this huge character, this fan favorite who's now appeared in live action and this like animated medium now. Um, I'm wondering if there's a different medium um, in this big, you know, Star Wars canon that you would love to see Fennec show up in.
6: Um, You know, anything. (laughs) Anything at all you know bring back the holiday special whatever (laughs) um i just you know i'm i'm excited about any venture into this universe um of course if i got to participate in a in a cinematic release of, of a of a film in the future that would pretty much make me pee in my pants but um yeah, anything, you know. I'm I'm just excited to uh, see the dolls and the toys that's gonna come out. Like, I, I hear that one of the Black series is coming out and, you know, I've collected Star Wars toys since I was little, so this is insane. It's just unbelievable.
0: Thank you so much.
5: Thank you.
3: Next we have Teresa Delgado.
5: Hi, it's so nice to meet you and see you.
1: Uh, I
5: had a couple of questions, but I decided to go with one that I thought a lot of people might not hit on. Um, what has it meant to you to be in such a large property like Star Wars as an Asian American and having the opportunity to be a representation of your community in something like Star Wars?
6: Uh, it's always great. You know, um, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, Jimmy, Jimmy O. Yang says, well, you know, it's not really by choice that I'm representing. It's just when, when you're born looking Asian, it's just going to be an automatic thing. So for me, I'm just grateful that there's been more characters that's been incorporated. You know, we have green aliens, blue aliens, and, uh, you know, what was lacking early on were um, Asian... Um, characters and now there's been so many in Rogue One, you know, Donnie Yen and um, um, oh my goodness, the other actor, I'm blanking on his name. I'm gonna have to look it up. I'm so sorry. I've been doing this all day, so I'm really tired right now. But um, you know, it's 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 great and 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 I wrap, you know, even Temuera as part of this expansive Asian blanket. Um, I'm. I, I think it's wonderful and I'm so thankful that the fans like her and because as a big Star Wars fan myself, you know, it, it's uh, it's just, it's, it's a gift. So I'm grateful and, and I hope that this sort of success story will only encourage them to want to create more Asian characters. And they're not specifically Asian, it's just, you know, have us there repping. Yeah, uh, thanks so much. Mm-hmm.
3: William Devereaux.
9: Hey, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. Uh, Hi. I'm curious, unlike most bounty hunters and really most characters on the show in general, Phoenix Shan seems to care about Omega on, on some level, probably one of the only characters aside from the core batch. How do you see the dynamic between your character and Omega?
6: That is very interesting, um, William, because I feel Feel like with Fennec, you know, especially young Fennec, she is good at reading people, manipulating, and playing a certain quality um, to invite herself into that particular person's trust. So I am not sure. I'm not sure how sincere and genuine. Her care for Omega is, you know, or, or it's just she sees her as a bounty um, uh, and, and, and a gig that she had to fulfill. So that's really interesting. I, I, I appreciate that you think, you know, that there is this side of her. Um, I'd like to think there is also a, a quality and a side to her that she connected with Omega in a certain way. But um, we'll see
0: next up we have Mark Newbold
6: hi there Um,
7: my question's kind of been asked already so I'll I'll pivot slightly Um, Fennec of the Bad Batch era and Fennec of the Mando era do you consider them I mean obviously it's the same person but do you play them as the same character given that there's a lot of living to happen between the two iterations of Fennec do you play them as the same person or are you kind of you know delineating between the two at this point
6: well, I kind of draw from my own, per- you know, this is what, as actors, we have to really draw from ourselves and, and infuse some of our own life experiences and, and uh, soul to a character to bring them to life. And I know that the 22-year-old me is very different from, you know, me now. But at the same time, I'm still that geek nerd girl that every time I get on a new set and I see new toys and the Star Wars characters, I geek out and freak out like I would if I was a teenager. So those are the elements that I try to bring into the younger Fennec. You know, there is def- definitely less experience, more ambition, more of a drive to prove who she is and and make her mark in the world. So I think her energy and her focus and her tactics might be a little bit more raw and different. And I give her a slightly, you know, like a very slight little. Pitch change, but not too much, you know because uh, the the difference between her and a seasoned Fennec um, is uh, is in the energy.
3: Next up, we have Brian Young.
8: Um, I'm thanks for for talking to us today first. I think this is a great pleasure for all of us because I think everyone in this room, particularly are huge Star Wars fans. Um,
6: oh good, but, I'm in the right
8: room. Yeah, but that's what I want to talk about. Actually, can you talk about like what sparked your Star Wars? You know, being a Star Wars fan in the first place, and how has that evolved now that you've been able to take that step onto sets and and you know you're part of at least three different Star Wars shows that we know about now. Um, you know, so so how has your fan? How did your fandom start, and how has it influenced your work, and how has it changed since you've been able to be a part of it?
6: Oh, wow, Um, you know, I I grew up, I came um, to the United States when I was younger, and I had to learn English um, in third grade, and I think for me, science fiction and fantasy was always like a a great form of escapism, and so I was already a fan of that genre. But when Star Wars came out, I had no idea what it was. You know, we didn't have social media back then. You just kind of hear word of mouth that, you know, there's another great movie out and everybody was kind of crazy about it. The experience I felt, you know, from the moment the music came on and the, the scrolling of the story and, and then that, you know, the, the big empirical cruiser going over our heads, you know, as a young kid, you're just like, it's endless. It just went on forever. And I just knew I was in for an amazing adventure. And the connection I felt with, especially Luke Skywalker at the time when he looked at the binary sunset. And I think this might be for all of us, you know, the that one moment, it's like 30 seconds of celluloid, but with the music and him, staring out there thinking about, you know, will I ever fulfill my dreams? Will I ever be who I want to become? Um, That was me. You know, I totally understood that being a kid stuck in Pittsburgh. I mean, not that I was stuck, but I felt stuck and uh, wanting and dreaming about being an actor, you know, and being Asian and being a woman and knowing the obstacles ahead of me. So it was, it was, I think it was just all of that. I mean, the force, it became a religious experience, the whole thing. And I'm sure for you guys too, on many levels, right?
8: I think so. It's think- so
6: cool. <laughs> it unites us all.
8: It really does. Thank you yeah. so much.
6: Mm-hmm. Oh, and I- then when I got on the set of the Mandalorian and that volume lit up and it was Tatooine with the binary sunset. Oh, you should have seen how much I freaked out. I cried, I literally cried. I was so happy. And uh, and then I had the uh, AD take a picture of me looking at the binary sunset. (laughs) That's great. It's crazy, it's crazy.
8: Next up we have James Bainey.
9: Uh, thanks for taking the question and taking them out of your day. It's an honor to speak with you. Um, well, thank you. when, <laughs> when we, uh, well, we all love seeing star Wars connectivity, right. And seeing our favorite characters spaced over large timelines, but we know that there's a reason that those character stories unfold in the release order that they do. Uh, mm. well, what do you think fans should take away from your character's role in the bad batch as we obviously head into the
6: book of Boba Fett? Well, I mean, to really see when we would see bounty hunters, you know, most of them were either male or alien, nondescript in that way, and, um, or in uniform, or it, I I think it's kind of cool to see sort of this young civilian female bounty hunter, who's able to kind of keep up, if not be feared by the others and making a mark for herself. Um, I think it's a great Um, role model in in many ways, you know, for women, even though she's an assassin, I know, okay, okay, that's a technicality. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, I love roles like that, where she's sort of an outsider, and yet, she makes up her own rules. And she doesn't, you know, she believes in herself, she believes in what she's capable of doing. And she's fearless in pursuing her goals.
9: Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Great answer.
3: Next up we have Dan Z. Well, hello, this is awesome. Uh, Your your enthusiasm is just infectious. So kudos to you for that. Thank you so much. I
6: just love all your rooms. That's gonna be my (laughs) office. I'm remodeling my home right now and I'm looking at all your paraphernalia is going, oh, okay, I want to do that, I want to do that.
3: (laughs) I'm gonna take inventory to make sure you didn't take something.
5: (laughs) Okay, so cool, all right Dan.
3: I'd love to know about and if you could describe your acting process for live action versus voice work and how you kind of get yourself in that headspace depending on the outlet.
6: Right. Well, I do a lot of voice acting. Um, like right now, I'm doing like four or five other animation projects. So the one thing that's difficult is like keeping all the characters straight in 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 ways because sometimes you literally go in and you're shooting, you know four or five episodes all at once because they're just only doing your lines. And so that's difficult and different in, in, in wanting to bring something to life and you have to do it very, very quickly. Um, with live action, you, know, you have other actors to work off of, you have uh, a set or sceneries, you have a director to help you, producers, writers, um, you have costume, makeup, hair, you know, it, it's a, it's a full on process. When you do voice acting, you know, you could be in your PJs and, and in fact, with the Bad Batch, because of COVID, they brought in all this equipment, the computer, they delivered it all, the microphone, everything. And I have to set it up in my home. And the only place that I found to be really good for sound buffering was in my closet because of all the clothes. So I did the, the season of Bad Batch in my closet. <laughs> so can you imagine you have to like create this whole, like bring this character to life with your imagination <laughs> while you're surrounded by your clothes. It's pretty crazy.
8: I love it. Thank you so much.
6: <laughs> Thank you.
3: And we have time for one more question, uh, James Burns.
7: Hi, Mingna. Uh, this is this is fantastic. Thank you very very much. Um, your reaction to seeing your Lego minifigure, which uh, was absolutely stunning. I've got it here. <gasps> um, it hasn't? It's just gorgeous. I don't have it. I don't
6: <laughs> have one yet. And is you've that, got two.
7: That you've that got one? two. You've got two face expressions as well. Um, I have no and hair. Just, Where's her hair? I don't know. They haven't put hair in they just give you the helmet so how does it i mean how do you feel when you see yourself immortalized as a toy
6: it's fantastic i'm so jealous you have one i'm i'm gonna have to go hunt it down I'm,
7: it's it's not actually out to august the first but i'm sure the powers that be can sort you out
6: James, so. how do you have the in man
7: um I do some work with Lego, so they, they let me have all the sets. Okay, early.
6: so my in is through you. I would say. I can
7: I can talk to Lego for you. I'm sure they yeah, will be
6: happy yeah.
7: to send you a <laughs>
6: set. I think I think that has to happen.
7: I can talk to Lego tomorrow and I can I'm <laughs> sure we can get
6: that. Oh James, that would be so wonderful. Thank you. no, I'm I'm gaga. I'm gaga over all of this. Every day I go on set, I'm just um you know it takes me a little bit to like focus and work and and be a professional actor because you know I'm always having like these little moments of nerdgasms where I'm flipping out and and bless him you know he's he's less um he's 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 more even keel so we're really good balance for each other so when we were doing the book of Boba Fett yeah he definitely kept me calm as, as, a,
7: as a Star Wars collector for all these years getting getting now products of your own to bring into yeah. your own Star Wars collection that must be just amazing
6: it's it's ridiculous I, I think I'm going to have to um you know work harder because I'll be spending a lot of money picking up several um you know like I just won't buy one you no, know absolutely. that's right yeah well
7: at least <laughs> at least your holiday presents this year are sorted because you can just buy everybody figures and things of yourselves to give
6: as presents. Yeah, or everybody just buy me the figures. Okay. There you go.
7: <laughs> thank you so much, thank you.
6: Thank you, James. That's so cool. Thank you, that made me I will talk
7: day. to Lego for you tomorrow, I promise.
6: Oh gosh, thank you so much. I'm so excited. So anybody else has any uh, connections? <laughs>
1: And that's all the time we have today, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Follow Rebel Cells on Twitter and Instagram at Rebel Cells and on Facebook at Rebel Cells Podcast. You can support the podcast in three ways. First, by going to the podcast service of your choice, leaving a rating and review to help others find the show. Second, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com thunderquack and kicking in with your monthly pledge of support to get cool rewards like exclusive podcasts and more.